sinner now saved, blood washed by the Lamb. My brother's a king, the son of I am. Sometimes I forget to Jesus. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Let's all sing and worship the Lord this morning. Brother Ken, come lead us this morning. Amen. While you're standing, turn to hymn number 346 and you read back this morning and you read songbook, hymn number 346. I know my name is there. If you're glad your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you ought to give a big shout right there. Let's sing a song like we mean it this morning. First, second, last verse. I know my name is there. Page number 346. My name is there.
know your name is there, give us a big amen this morning. Brother JT, I want you to come up and lead us to the Lord in prayer, if you would. Please love to hear you pray, brother. While Brother JT comes, I've got a few requests I want to bring to you this morning. First of all, uh, as we put out on our call system, pray for Sister Irma and Sister Edna and the passing of their brother-in-law. They are there for their traveling this morning for those services. Remember them. Continue to pray for Brother Buck, but he's here with us this morning. Wave your hand, Brother Buck Bolin. We're glad to see you out of the hospital and here with us this morning. Praise the Lord. That's answer to prayer. Brother John Stone, where'd you go, buddy? Wave your hand. Brother John was in a bad car accident last week in the hospital, but he's here with us this morning, so we're thankful for that, and that's a blessing. Uh, and then continue to pray for uh, Sister Pam, Sister Pat, these ladies who are battling cancer. And then pray for Sister Connie Thacker. She fell last week, banged herself up pretty badly uh, as she was coming to church. So remember Connie, if you would. Pray for the services today. We sure want God's blessings upon us. Brother JT, you come take us to the throne room. And I implore you, let's go boldly this morning and ask God to just have his way in our services. Brother, pray for us today. Father, we thank you most of all for our Savior, the Lord Christ, your great love for us, your love and your Father, we great love for us while we yet sin, Christ died for yes, us. That's right. and Father, we know that the wages of sin is death. But Father, we know and we thank you that the gift of God is eternal life Amen. through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for this day and your goodness to us. We all must say that you're truly good to us all. We thank you, Father, for the freedom of worship that we still have in this nation. We know that we're one of the few nations in the world today that still has that freedom. That's right. And we pray for our nation today that all across this nation, those of us that are saved by the grace of God, that we would humble ourselves in your sight and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways that you would hear from heaven and heal our land. Because, Father, if you do not heal our land, then there is no healing for this nation. And, Father, we thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. It's truly good to be in the house of the Lord. We ask your blessings upon the service day that each part of the service day would honor our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege to sing songs that honor yeah. him. Yeah, and we pray, Father, that you would lead and remain the song service this morning. Then for our pastors, he oh, comes God, and preaches the precious word of God to us. Father, we pray that you would enable him and empower yes, him, yes, yes. that you would open his mouth to speak the words you would have him speak here today, that your word would go into ears and hearts. And, Father, you know the heart of each one here today. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would seek out and save lost sinners today in this service and everywhere the gospel's preached. Father, we thank you for those that you've saved thus far in, the, in this church this year. But the church is still here, and you have not quit saving lost sinners. Your hand is not shortened that it cannot save. And, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would seek out and save any in the service day that's lost, that you would speak to the hearts of your children, that it would be a time today that we would worship you and praise you, that sins would be confessed and hearts would be revived, that you would answer each prayer request according to your will. For those that are sick, we pray that you would heal them if it would be your will to do so. And for those that have been sick and are better now, we thank you for that. You are a great God and great things you have done. Father, again, we thank you for loving us, saving us. We pray for our church. We know that in these days, a lot of churches are compromising with the world today. And we pray that you would help us neither turn to the left or turn to the right, but walk down and march down straight down the middle of the road that we would always do things your way because we know that is the right way. 
Father, again, we thank you for your great love and your many blessings, for the privilege of prayer. And Father, again, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would seek out and save lost sinners today. We ask it all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you, Brother JT. Writer of Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I want you to listen now as Marcia sings this old Kyla classic song, I Can Still Pray Through. I hope it will bless your heart. So I told Satan, this is why. 
disappearing skies are turning blue only just a while ago I told him I was through but he did not read
thank the Lord for a field of grace. I love that song. Let me give you quick announcements now before our little ones head out to Children's Church uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, regular services tonight at 6 o'clock. Of course, this week is our uh, trip to uh, Pigeon Forge for the Women's Mountain Retreat with Kyla Rowland. Those of you that are going, if you would please meet right over here on my right, piano side, right after services this morning. And then note that we are leaving, ladies, at 11 a.m. here at the church. Have your stuff here uh, at about quarter till. We'll take a couple of vehicles. we got a big crew going. So we'll go and have a good time together leaving here at 11 a.m. On Saturday, uh, the, there will be a uh, teen and young adult rally at Gospel Light Baptist Church, Brother C.T. Townsend. To Brother Ken, while we are traveling back from Women's Mountain Retreat, Brother Ken's going to take a vehicle down for anyone that wants to go, teens and young adults, leaving here at 3.30 for the youth rally at Gospel Light Baptist Church. And then, of course, next week also begins, a week from today, our end of summer jubilee. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have Brother Heath Williams here next Sunday. Joyful Sounds will be with us for our 11 o'clock service. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will host Brother C.T. Townsend and Kyla Rowland and Deliverance. Uh, what a lineup, what a time we're looking forward to. I encourage you to be praying. Uh, and, of course, we've got the flyers in our various areas, postal area out there, front side as well. Keep all of that in mind if you would. Choir, I've called your attention to this a few times, but I ask you to please, please, please note this that we'll be heading down to New Hope Baptist Church on September the 12th. Choir will be singing down there for their, uh, for their jubilee. Brother Joe Arthur's preaching. We'll be leaving from here at 5.30, and uh, they are providing a meal for us as well, so keep that in mind, please. Uh, 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 and again, I want to call your attention to our online application system or our online tithing system, I should say. If you want to avail yourself to that, information is in your bulletin. And a quick reminder that if you use the traditional tithing method, make sure that you put that in a tithing envelope with your name on it if you wish to receive end-of-year IRS contribution records. Very, very important Please keep that in mind if you would. All right, let me get all the little ones head up here this morning. If you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church, come make your way down. And if you're visiting with us, they're going to come around and collect any loose change that you may have. This is our penny march, and this helps support our children's programming and our ladies' jubilee every year. Take off, young folks. Have a good time. Make sure you get lots of money this morning.
been to Children's Church, come on this morning. Children's Church, come on down this morning. for your gifts to our young people. I, I, I know you can't see them all down here, but I love these kids that are standing down here looking at the money and looking at James, and you can see it on their face. Do I really have to give this up? Do I really have to turn this money in? But uh, thank you so much. There was like three of them who you could just see the agony written all over their faces as they handed him their bowls. <laughs> they were thinking about all the things they could buy with it. But anyway, thank you so much uh, for your contributions to our children's ministries. Uh, of course, uh, the money that you gave June, July, and August goes for the teen conference that we've uh, attended during the summer, and then we pick up in September through May, and that goes to support our annual Ladies Jubilee with Kyla Rowland. We surely appreciate that. Fellas, come down this morning, if you would, please. Uh, Brother Bobby, you come get ready to sing. Let's be obedient with his tithes and your offerings, and you ask uh, and give according to the Word of God and according to uh, as the Lord has blessed you. Let's ask God's blessings upon the offering today. And uh, Josh, I'm going to give you the mic. You ask the Lord's blessings upon our offering. Let's pray together this morning. Josh, pray for us, buddy. Blessing to those in our community, yeah. Lord. These things we ask in your name. Amen. If you have never heard this song, it's a simple little song with a great big message. It says, I take Jesus with me everywhere I go. is my everything and I want the world to know so I take Jesus with me everywhere I go I take Jesus with me everywhere I go he lives within my heart and he goes wherever I go he is always with me and this I
for just a moment's rest but there is rest in him and this I know is so so I take Jesus with me everywhere I go I take Jesus with me everywhere I go he lives within my heart and he goes wherever I go he is always with me and this I know is so so I take Jesus with me everywhere I go we should never go anywhere we can't take Jesus or he wouldn't be welcome Just a little while, but there is strength in him, and this I know is so. So I take Jesus with me everywhere I go. I take Jesus with me everywhere I go. He lives within my heart, and he goes wherever I go. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand together for our fellowship song, page number 150 in your red book. Red song book again, number 150, the dearest friend I ever had. We'll sing the first verse and chorus, have a time of fellowship. Thank God for Jesus this morning, amen.
thank you so much as always. While you're making your way back to your seat, we found a little um, charm of some sort. Um, I think it's a charm, but um, if I'm not sure it's real. If it, it looks like it's got about 50 diamonds on it. If it if it's not real, you're welcome to come back and get it. If it is real, I'm going to hock it and pay for the interior redesign of SAGBC. Amen. <laughs> but it's up here at the front if it's yours. First Kings this morning, chapter 17, please. First Kings, chapter 17 today. Last week, we read verse number one. Gave you a message that we entitled Elijah, the man of God. This morning, I want to pick right back up in verse number two. Give you a second message as we continue to look at Elijah and Elisha. Some of their similarities, some of their differences. I shared with you last week that when you look at Elijah, he was rough. He was non-politically correct. He was someone who spoke first and thought about the actions later. Elisha was altogether different. He was a bit more dignified, if you will. He, he in fact, performed more. There are more miracles recorded to Elisha than there are Elijah. Formed what we think of today as the school of the prophets. And had a bit of a different character and air about him, yet they were very much... Uh, uh, depended upon one another, Elisha looked at Elijah as his spiritual father. And many of you know that when Elijah uh, uh, asked Elisha what he wanted, Elisha responded, I want a double portion of whatever it is that you've got. Last week, we looked at how Elijah, this courageous, valiant, brave man, stood up in front of a wicked king, Ahab, and his even wickeder queen, Jezebel, and denounced the fact that it would not rain after his prayer until he prayed again. You would think after this point that Elijah would become a famous preacher in the region, that this would announce his arrival, if you would, and that his fame and notoriety would begin to spread. As you're going to see in just a moment, just the opposite is true. In fact, this very courageous, brave, transformative moment is followed up by a removal of Elijah from the public eye altogether. Fascinating to think about. Let's begin reading verse number 2. We'll read down this morning through verse number 7. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, well, you know what, let's just go back and read verse number 1, for those who may not have been here last week. And Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, The Lord God of Israel liveth. Before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. I'll remind you again, that was an incredibly brave thing to do. 
because Ahab had the power to execute Elijah on the spot. And again, this is the first time that, as far as we know, that someone has stood up to this king. It's called on the name of the living God as opposed to the false idol Baal and his false mistress Ashtaroth as the so-called God and goddess of the land. Now look at verse 2. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward. Hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. It shall be, thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, did according unto the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh the evening. He drank of the brook came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning asking for your touch upon our preaching time this morning. God, you've clearly told us in your word that you've chosen the foolishness of preaching as the instrument by which you woo men and women unto you for a saving knowledge. Lord, I pray that you do that very thing this morning. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that today would be the day, this hour would be the hour that they'd accept that free gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us that are saved, I pray that the sermon today would equip us to go to battle this week Lord, that we'd be more equipped than we were when we walked in, Lord, to face the enemy that we have to face every single day. Lord, thank you for the privilege of preaching. Lord, thank you for the preciousness of your word that you've told us will never return void. Use this now, in Jesus' name, amen. For all of you teachers and kids who've gone back to school, I think you will appreciate this. Mrs. Jones, the second grade teacher, is handing out report cards after the first semester was over. This was the third six weeks grading period. So she handed the report cards out. As she's getting ready to dismiss the class, little Johnny comes up and says, Miss Smith, I'm going to give you time to change this while you still have time. Miss Smith looked at Johnny and said, excuse me? He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to change this grade while you still have time. Johnny pulled out the report card, pointed to the math grade, which clearly showed an F. Miss Smith looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about. Johnny said, well, Miss Smith, I'm going to put it to you like this. Last semester, or last six weeks, when I brought home two Fs, my daddy looked at me, 
And he said, if I brought home another failing grade, somebody was going to get a tail whooping, and I just want to give you the chance to change this grade while you got time. Amen. That's pretty good. Last week, as we began to look at the story of Elijah, we talked about the importance of all of us allowing the flame of our light to shine just a little bit brighter regardless of where we were. We talked about the fact that our circumstances, our surroundings should not be an impediment to us shining that light just a little bit brighter. I was imminently blessed this past week because on three separate occasions I went to grab some lunch and on each of those occasions I ran into some church member. Three of you nodding your heads, you know who I'm talking about. And Amen. And on each of those occasions I was greeted with this thought, Preacher, I'm trying to let my flame flicker a little bit brighter this week. Can I, can I just say to you folks, coming to church to listen to a message is wonderful. But when you take the message and you apply it to your heart, that's really what it's all about. So this morning, it's my prayer that you'll do the same thing as we look at a very different aspect of Elijah's life. How many of you this morning have ever served in the military? Would you stand up all over the building? All of our military vets, stand up. Amen. Stand up. Give these men, all men this morning, a round of applause. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. I think these men could attest, there were only men, I believe, that stood. I think these men could attest that for those who have served in the military, there may be elements, there may be aspects, there may be time periods that you forget, but one thing you'll never forget is the time you spent in boot camp. Boot camp, for many, is the first time away from home. It's a time of discipline. It's a time of work. It's a time of regimented training. It's a time of a loneliness. But I hope you men would amen me on this. It is during those boot camp experiences that soldiers are born. Soldier would never be able to serve on the battlefield unless he'd first been through the boot camp. In boot camp, prospective soldiers have their self-will stripped away. They lose that inner rebellion and they learn to lean upon their fellow soldiers and to follow the words of their superior without question. Of course, as difficult as this sounds, there is an extremely important element to this because it is here that the soldier learns to grow stronger, learns to grow disciplined, and it is in boot camp that the boy becomes a man or the girl becomes a woman. You see, boot camp is essential. Boot camp is where you learn to survive on the battlefield. Let me say that again because you need to get it. Boot camp is where the boy becomes a man, the girl becomes a woman, transforms into a soldier that can survive on the battlefield. Paul has clearly likened our Christian walk to that of a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in his farewell epistle, he says, I've fought a good 
fight, kept the faith. You see, folks, I want to give you a message this morning that aligns with what Elijah is experiencing when he's being separated from public view. Even after he has this mountaintop experience, uh, he's got to go through what I'm going to call this morning spiritual boot camp. Spiritual boot camp. Most of the time when we think about Elijah, there are two major events that folks know about and they know well. The first one is his Mount Carmel experience where he calls down fire from heaven and laps up the sacrifice and the water that he's put all the way around it. The other one that folks tend to understand and associate with Elijah is how he was called out of here in a chariot of fire. But would you listen to me real carefully, folks? Elijah could never be trusted to be the soldier on Mount Carmel until he's gone through a time of spiritual boot camp. Until he's gone through a time of separation. Until he's gone through a time of hiding with God and allowing God to instruct him and teach him and learn the regimental needs of a spiritual soldier. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that before God can use anybody, he's got to train us. Before God can put any of us on the battlefield as a soldier of the cross, he's got to first send us to spiritual boot camp. All the soldiers in the room would have to say amen to this. Boot camp ain't easy. It's not for the faint of heart but it is absolutely essential to becoming a soldier. There are four things that we're going to look at very quickly this morning regarding this thought, spiritual boot camp. Number one, I want you to note with me the place. The place where this occurs. Elijah has just stood before the king of Israel and delivered a message of judgment to the nation. Now, Surprisingly, at least to me, the next word that comes out of God's lips are, Elijah, go hide. Elijah, go hide. I find that fascinating. I'm, I'm astounded by that because if someone's got the spiritual guts and the intestinal fortitude to stand up in front of wickedness uh, like Ahab, uh, I would think you'd want him to go straight to the battleground. Good golly, Miss Molly, if he'll stand up to somebody like that, put him on the front lines and let's go to spiritual battle. But Elijah's got to be trained. You see, in verse number one, Elijah is called the Tishbite. And in verse 24, the end of the chapter of 17, he's referred to as the man of God. Look at me, church. There's a training ground that has to happen before he goes from the Tishbite to the man of God. And what we're about to see is that separation, that hiding, that spiritual boot camp. Look, if you would, please, at the name of the place. It's given to us in verses 2 and 3. Notice what it says. Word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, hide thyself by the brook Cherith. Cherith. All of you understand, if you've been in this church for any length of time, that names have meanings. 
Names of people, names of locations uh, have meanings. It should not surprise us that the name Cherith literally means to cut off or to cut down, to be brought low. I believe that God knew that he needed to cut Elijah off from public view so that he could begin to train him uh, to turn him uh, from this rough and rugged tishbite uh, into somebody that could really be called the man of God, to train him, to give him a training ground. Would you listen to me, church? In the economic world, in the job world, we all understand the importance of training grounds. That's why we have things like Student teaching for teachers. We don't let teachers uh, get out of college and walk into the classroom never having stood before kids. That's why we have internship programs and apprenticeships uh, and lab experiences. Uh, I don't think you'd want a nurse operating on you or assisting you who'd never done lab hours in a hospital. Amen. We, we give them these experiences to train them to get ready for what it is they're going to have to do. Please look at me, church. If you're a child of God, let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do spiritual battle against an enemy who exists in high heavenly places. You're going to have to do spiritual battle, uh, not against flesh and blood, uh, but against an enemy uh, who is stronger than you, uh, who's smarter than you, uh, who is cunninger than you, uh, who is wickeder than you, uh, and you will never be successful uh, trying to do that on your own. you got to have a little bit of training to get you ready for the battle. Name of the place. But notice not only the name of the place, but the nature of the place. I'm astounded by what the Lord commands Elijah. And I say again, it's a commandment, not a suggestion. He says in verse 3, hide thyself. Hide thyself. How many of us have ever told our children, you don't have to raise your hand, but we've ever told our children, you can't run from your problems, you got to face them head on. How many of us as kids have ever been told, you can't run away, you got to tackle the problem head on, yet right here, God says very clearly, Elijah, I want you to get out of the spotlight, I want you to get away from Ahab, I want you to go hide yourself, you've got to spend some time away from everybody so that I can transform you from the Tishbite into the man of God. This hidden life that Elijah is about to experience is absolutely essential for him to become the soldier that would one day stand upon Mount Carmel. Now I want to pause just a moment and give you what I think is an incredibly relevant and important point this morning. Church is important and you need it. But you don't get prepared for battle for church and church alone. You need some hidden time where it's just you and God getting you ready for the battle that you've got to face. Don't misunderstand me. You ought to be in church every time the doors are open. But may I submit to you that before you ever get ready for battle, you got to understand that the hidden time you have with God, that is what prepares you for battle. And if you don't have some hidden time alone with you and God, I strongly encourage you this morning to figure out a way to carve a few minutes every day for just you and God. I'm going to be honest with you. My time alone with God is usually on my drive to work every morning. 
I practice Bible verses. I listen to some devotions on my iPod. I listen to Bible reading. I talk to God. I, I, and if you were to follow behind my vehicle, you'd probably know that something's going on in that car. And as I say all the time, if you don't like my driving, well, then just get off the sidewalks. I'm having a good time. Amen. The hidden life is essential. Without a hidden life, you never get prepared for a battle, church. And do you understand that the moment you get out of that car and you go to your job, you go to your family, you go to wherever, that's when the battle starts. Nature of that place. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I got as a young preacher was from a, a preacher who's kind of uh, uh, fallen off the scene, his, or he's passed away in heaven. He never got to be popular in a lot of circles, uh, but his name was Dr. Ledbetter. I loved him dearly. I struggled with my salvation for years, and he's the one who kind of helped me get through that experience. And when I answered the call to preach, he pulled me aside one day, and he looked at me and he said, Greg, you're in this church right now talking about my father-in-laws. And he said, I want you to treat this as a training ground. I want you to understand that you might not always agree with the leader. You might not always like what the leader does. But he looked at me and he said, you will never be a good leader until you can be a good follower. That's good preaching, folks. Served me well. Place. I want you to notice secondly this morning the promise promise Elijah is sent away from the king's palace think with me now to the middle of nowhere sent away from the trappings of royalty to the middle of nowhere where he's got to be dependent upon God for everything Think about that for a moment. He sent away from the beauty of the palace to the middle of nowhere where he learns, I think, what would be an incredibly important lesson, and that is simply this, where God guides, God also provides. But Elijah had to learn that. Notice what happens. You see, Elijah... For the first time, as far as we know, experiences what I'm going to call amazing provisions. Look at verse number four. If you're like me, you've read this umpteen billion times, but it never gets old. Verse four says, it shall be, this is the Lord speaking, that thou shalt drink of the brook. That's all right. We understand that. Drink there of the water. And I have commanded the ravens. To feed thee there. Do what? You've done what? You got to understand, folks, ravens are scavengers. Ravens eat off dead things. And Elijah, as a Jew, as a man of God, he is by the law forbidden to feast on dead things. So now, uh, this is really strange. 
because you've got a man who's been separated from the palace, told to go to the middle of nowhere, who's been promised of God, I will suspend the very laws of nature in order to take care of you and supply your needs. Can I pause just a moment? And read between the lines, I cannot help but think if Elijah had just a little bitty smidgen of doubt in the back of his mind. Thinking to himself, A, ravens don't bring food, they take food. And B, I don't want to eat whatever it is a raven brings me. Look what happens. Verse number five. Notice what it says. Went and did according to the word of the Lord. Well, by the brook Cherith, verse 6, the ravens brought him bread, flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. So on day one, Elijah leaves the palace and makes his way to the brook Cherith. Perhaps he gets there in late afternoon, takes him a sip of water, lays his head down at night, and there's nothing there to eat. Because the Bible says the ravens come the next morning. So he lays his head down, going to sleep, wondering uh, how this is going to happen, wondering uh, how he's going to be fed, wondering if God's going to keep his word. Uh, and good golly, Miss Molly, he wakes up the next morning, opens his eyes, uh, and there's a flock of ravens there who've dropped bread at his feet, uh, who've dropped flesh at his feet. Uh, and for the first time, uh, Elijah realizes uh, that his God shall supply his needs according to his riches in glory. And it didn't just happen that morning. It happened again that evening. Elijah goes to bed. And the next day comes the ravens. The next day, here comes the ravens. If you're like me, you can pause right here and shout the hallelujah, amen, because you look back over the course of your life and you are blown away at how God is taking care of you and your family. You are stand in amazement at how good God has been to you, how he's taken care of you, how he's met your need, how there were some times when there was more month than there was money. Somebody say amen there. Yet somehow, some way, God always met the need. You never went hungry. You never went without shoes. You always had clothes on your back. You always had food on your table. You might not have been feasting on filet mignon, but honey, the hamburger helper tasted pretty good when you got hungry. Amen. Amen. Would you amen me this morning? God's been good to you. Notice with me. Not only did it involve amazing provision, but I believe it involved some abundant peace. What it says in verse 5. First phrase there. So he went, that's Elijah, did according unto the word of the Lord. God called. Elijah stepped out in faith. Do, do you see that where I'm going with this? I hope you do. I, I don't think Elijah understood how this was going to happen. I don't think he understood how the I's were going to be dotted and the T's were going to be crossed. 
and I hope you won't throw anything at me and think I'm a man of less faith, but I am somebody who likes to understand how the I's are going to be dotted and the T's are going to be crossed. In fact, if I'm real honest with you, I'm someone who likes to make sure I'm dotting the I's and I'm crossing the T's because I don't want nobody else to have to do it. And when not only do I not do it, uh, but I can't figure out how it's going to get done, it irks me to no end. But that's when I have to be reminded. My Bible is very clear. The just shall live by faith. I've also figured out that when you're in God's will, you're on God's payroll. And it's up to God to figure out how to make the payroll work. But when you're on your time, and when you're doing it your way, or I'm doing it my way, I got to figure it out. And I hope you'll amen me. God has a way of figuring things out that I never could think about. Number one, place. Number two, the promise. Number three, I want you to notice with me, the plan. I want to kind of get down in the weeds with you just a moment. I want to kind of read between the lines and rip this apart and say to you that this is a statement of my opinion, but I believe I can back it up. This plan turned out to be a satisfying plan. What do you mean, Pastor Greg? I simply mean this. Is Elijah sitting there day after day by the brook? Look at me. He's all by himself. There's nobody around him. There's nobody to talk to. There's no one to keep him company. There's no one with whom he can fellowship. And, and, and again, I, I'm reading between the lines. I can't help but wonder if he got just a little bit lonely. We know, as I said last week, and we'll show you as we dive into this in weeks and months to come, that Elijah was prone to spiritual highs and very deep lows. And I cannot help but wonder uh, if maybe at some point during this, he had one of them low points of his life uh, where he sat back and just looked up heavenward and said, God, why? Why do we have to do it this way? Why do I have to be by myself? Why does it have to work out this way? Why is this the only way we can do this thing? You don't have to raise your hand. But I'll step out on a spiritual limb and said, I've asked a few of those why questions myself. I've asked plenty of times when it seems like that, that, that things are going just fine and life is moving along just great uh, and suddenly circumstances, situations, trials, tribulations uh, begin to turn it all upside down and what was smooth as silk one day becomes rough as a cob the next way. But I've also learned that although I don't like uh, these situations, there is satisfaction in knowing that God is under control. So even though I don't always like it, I'm going to be honest, even though I don't always understand it, I've got wisdom enough to accept the fact all things work together for good to them that love God. Them that love God. Satisfying plan. But I want you to notice also in verse 5, it's a submissive plan. This is 
a beautiful statement here that we're told in verse number five. For he went and dwelt by the brook. He went and dwelt. If you write in your Bibles, I encourage you to underline or circle the word dwelt. Put a little line out beside of it because it literally means to live. Elijah didn't go there for an overnight camping trip. He didn't go there for a weekend expedition. He didn't go there for a sightseeing jaunt. Uh, but God said, go there. And so Elijah went there uh, having no idea whether this was going to be temporary or long term. Uh, he goes there to set up tent uh, and to live there. You see, Elijah realized that until we can begin to accept God's will for our life, we'll never have God's peace for our life. Let me say that again. Until we can accept God's will for our life, we'll never experience God's peace in our life. Paul figured this out better than any of the writers when he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Can I, can I summarize that for you? Paul says, God, if you've got me right here, as long as I'm with you, I'm okay with that. God, if you're going to move me over here as long as I got you, I'm okay with that. And Lord, if you want me to stay here for a little while, I'll do that as long as I got you. Uh, Paul, uh, unlike many of us Baptists who are always wanting to do something bigger and better, uh, realized uh, that I don't have to look ahead. I will stop right here, right now, and enjoy where God's got me because that's his will for my life. I'm going to hunker down right here until he puts me someplace else. I think when Elijah got his toolkit out, Set up his tent, opened up his little thermos of coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, if you please. Looked up heavenwards and said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I don't like it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me. But I'm going to stay right here until you tell me otherwise. Notice number four this morning. Place promise the plan suddenly in verse number seven we got a problem we got a problem everything seems to be going along hunky-dory Elijah's where God wants him to be he's got the water to drink out of ravens are bringing him food every day everything is spectacular and then a monkey wrench gets thrown in look right up here at me Again, you ain't got to raise your hand, but there's an awful lot of people in here like your preacher who've been thrown a few monkey wrenches in your day. Things seem to be going along just fine. Everything's good. Everything's great. Family's chucking along just fine. And before you know it, whammy, a monkey wrench gets thrown into the mix. What's Elijah's monkey wrench? Verse 7. Came to pass... After a while, the brook dried up. After a while, the brook 
dried up. Wait a minute. That might not seem like a big deal, but that's the element by which God is giving Elijah water every single day. Do, do, do you get that? You get this, folks? Praise the Lord for the ravens bringing the food and the flesh morning and evening. But if there's no water, uh, that flesh and that bread's not going to last for very long. I mean, if he's got a choice uh, and he's got to take one or the other, he'd rather have the water. Uh, you can go without bread and uh, you can go without food for weeks and weeks, uh, but you can't go without water but a couple of days until your internal system begins to shut down. Now, Elijah looks around. Suddenly, his comfort zone is gone. His comfort zone has been eradicated. At me, folks, this happens to every single believer. It happens to all of us. It happens so much, in fact, uh, We've experienced it in our community certainly over and over uh, where that job that you'd invested your life in dries up, uh, where the health uh, that we've always depended upon begins to decline, uh, where the circumstances that seemed so innocent and meaningless last week uh, change and immediately our own brook begins to dry up. For everybody in here, if you're saved, there's going to be some dry brooks in your life. I understand that's not popular preaching and it don't get a whole lot of amens and folks don't run the aisles when you hear that, but let me give you a reality check. There's going to be dry brooks in your life. And it will not necessarily be because God's mad at you. Don't misunderstand me. Sometimes God dries the brook up just to get our attention that we need to get ourselves back in gear spiritually. Amen. But there are times when the brook dries up because God's got something better in store. And to understand that, we got to ask ourselves the most important question. Because I want to submit something to you, folks. The fact that this brook dried up ought to have been shouting ground for Elijah. The fact that the brooks dried up ought to have made Elijah stand up and say, Whoop, praise the Lord, God is good. Why? You should have looked at the rest of verse 7. Notice what it says. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Why? Because there'd been no rain in the land. Why is that good, preacher? Because that's exactly what Elijah said God's going to do. That's exactly what Elijah prayed for. So at this moment, uh, the fact that the brook is drying up uh, is evidence of the fact uh, that God's prayer, that, that his prayers have been answered, uh, that the prophecy had been fulfilled, and God is doing exactly what he said he would do. But you know what that means? God's about to move Elijah someplace else. This is God's way of showing Elijah, Elijah, you've been faithful here. I got something bigger. Because you understand that we can't be trusted with the big until we've been faithful with the little. Amen. That's plainly evident in God's word. 
God looks at Elijah and says, you've been faithful right here, uh, away from everybody, by yourself. Nobody's been looking at you. No eyes have been on you. Uh, you've been the man of God right here, right now. Uh, and so I'm going to start you on the spiritual journey uh, that is going to turn you into a soldier for Christ. There's a preacher that I love to read after. And he calls this little section, Dry Brook University. And in one of his sermons, uh, he says, every child of God is an alumni of DBU, a graduate of Dry Brook University. I want to remind you, folks, God is sending Elijah to boot camp. He knows that before he can handle Mount Carmel, he's got to be faithful at Cherith. Please look at me. I'm done. You know that the Christian life is a battle. You know it's spiritual warfare. I want you to listen to me real carefully. I promise I'm finished. Before you can handle the battle that God knows lays out there, you got to be faithful at DBU. You, you got to be faithful, dry, brook. University and realize that the drying brook, God's way of saying, There's something better for you. Don't get off the train yet. There's something better. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking. Brother Ken's going to come get us a song to sing this morning. Nobody's looking now. You've been so attentive this morning. How many of you would just be honest? Say, Pastor Greg, I'm facing or my family is facing one of these times where the brook seems to be drying up or God's trying to teach us something and we just can't seem to understand what it is he's doing. Pray for us. I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. Bless your heart. I appreciate your honesty. Appreciate that so much. Can, can I just say to you right now, there's folks who have already begun to move. Before Brother Ken sings a single note, why don't you step out? Come on, just make your way down. Everybody that raised your hand, come on, just make your way down right now. Make your way down right now. Come on, come on, come on. The Lord's trying to teach us something. We just want to be wise enough to understand. We want to be faithful enough to understand what it is He's trying to do in our hearts and our lives. Let me ask you one more question. Important one. We've got a lot of visitors here today. Praise the Lord for that. I'll ask you a critically important question. You're here today and you're not sure that when you die, you'd go to heaven, but you know you don't want to go to hell. You know for sure that's not where you want to go. You want to go to heaven. You're, not just, you're just not sure you'd go there and you breathe your last breath. You want us to pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray for you right here. Would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking and you say, preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not sure of my salvation. Pray for me. Father in heaven, I thank you for the attention of the good folk today. Lord, as we go into the invitation, may you have your will and your way.
Brick hearts now in Christ's name. Brother Ken, sing us a verse. You lifted your hand. Make your way to this altar right now. Come on. Don't wait. You can look this way. Sing with us. Brother Ken, let's sing together. Come on. Everybody sing with us. I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord. Yes. Oh, Sing with us now. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I'm so excited to share this with you this morning. Most of you know this family. This is Brother Dave Toller and his precious wife and their beautiful children. Uh, Brother Dave was the longtime pastor at Tabernacle Baptist, and uh, he has stepped aside. Everything's good. They've done it right by him and he by them. Uh, and he's going to be used at a lot of churches, but he understands wisely that he needs to yoke up with a church uh, in order to do the will of God for his life. So the first announcement, he and I have met about 120 times this week, and it's always over lunch because if we're going to meet, we're going to eat. Amen. So uh, our first thing is to vote them in appropriately. Uh, all, but of course, since he pastored, he's been saved and baptized. Amen. Uh, let's hope so anyway. This is Baptist after all. All in favor, if you'll say aye. Any opposed, I want you to come around and shake hands. And then the second thing I'm so excited to announce to you, some of you may have seen it on social media, uh, the, one of the reasons that Brother Toller and I met all summer, he came to me earlier and said, Preacher, you know, we've got uh, Cornerstone Baptist College, Bible College, which is a subsidiary of Macedonia. Uh, they teach Bible to prospective preachers and to those who want more about Christian education. And he said, we need a home. And so I asked him to meet with his board of directors. It is a separate standalone agency. They agreed. I met with our deacons last week, and we agreed. So beginning September, uh, SAGBC will become the home for Cornerstone Bible College, and we are honored to welcome them. And this is very much like a school of the prophets, training prospective preachers. They get Bible, 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 and I am very much excited to welcome them in. I told him when he came to talk to me, I said, we'll consider it on one occasion. You do all the work because I ain't doing it. He said, done. Amen. I want you to come around, shake hands with these folks. Let them know you love them. Let them know you're going to be praying for them. Father, it is with gratitude we say thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for this precious family and for our ability to host a Bible college, Lord, that instructs people who want to learn more about the ministry. What an honor and a privilege. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this family, bless our church as we do your will in Christ's name. Amen. Six o'clock tonight, come around and shake hands with this precious family today.
retreat. If you're heading to Women's Mountain Retreat, over on my right. Women's Mountain Retreat, over on my right.